What a special weekend and what a special week for us as a congregation, our annual week of prayer. And before we actually begin praying, we want to make sure that we understand what we're doing. You know, prayer, I think, is one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Christian life, and we're not the first ones to misunderstand it. We're not the first ones to be confused about it. We look at the story, for example, of the disciples who said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And you know why they, thought they asked Jesus that question? It's because they had never seen anybody with the kind of praying and the priority of prayer that Jesus himself had. You know, they, the disciples, they were raised in a, a practice of, of faith, of Judaism, in which uh, people thought uh, it was the, the quantity of the prayer that mattered. And in fact, to this day, I, I've stood at the Western Wall in Jerusalem where the Orthodox Jews gather there to, to pray. And, and I, I don't know what they're saying exactly, but I will tell you that what you hear is a kind of just repetitive kind of mantra, saying it over, saying it over, saying it over, leaning in like this, leaning in like this. And I don't know their hearts and I'm not judging, but I'm telling you, uh, I think it's a lot of simple repetition. And that's what those disciples had seen. That's how they were raised. That's what they saw when they went to worship. And then they encountered Jesus. And they had never seen anybody or heard anybody that prayed like Christ. In fact, if we took a quick look at the prayer life of Jesus, we would see some qualities about his prayer life. For example, we see Jesus praying at difficult hours. Luke six twelve. In these days he went to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Now that's not something you see very much, is it? He prayed all night to God. Mark one thirty-five. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus prayed at difficult hours. He also prayed in times of blessing. For example, we know that before he ate, In at least one example, in Matthew 26, before the meal in the upper room, he prayed. He prayed in John 11 before raising Lazarus from the dead. And we know, of course, that Jesus prayed in times of desperation. And this is the kind of prayer that we most resonate with because so often we have times of desperation. We think of the example of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where that night the text says that he prayed, Luke 22, Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He prayed in the garden. He prayed on the cross. You know, there are seven recorded things that Jesus said, uh, statements of Jesus, while he hung on the cross. Three of them were prayers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, from beginning to end, the disciples' experience with Jesus was one where there was this remarkable prayer life that Jesus had, radically different than anything they had seen before. And we find with them that Jesus' prayer life inspired them to pray more and to pray differently. And we, we hear that as he, they say, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. And even in that statement, don't we see that 
prayer is not something that we just naturally, a good prayer is not something that we naturally have. It's not innate to us. It also implies that you can learn to pray because Jesus set about to teaching them how to pray. So prayer is cultivated. It is worked at. Why else would Jesus say pray this way? Give us today daily bread. What does daily insinuate other than the fact that prayer is something that as a Christian we are to work at every single day? And prayer is work. If you don't have a great prayer life, it's because, you know, it's like, it's like having uh, weeds in your yard. What do you have to do to have a really good weeded yard? Nothing. Those weeds grow naturally, don't they? And poor prayer lives are the same. We don't have to do anything to have a bad prayer life, but to have a good prayer life, now that takes work and that takes effort. So let's talk about prayer. What is prayer? And here's my definition of prayer. Talking with my heavenly father. I'm talking with my heavenly father. You know, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he simply, he began it simply like this. Our father who art in heaven, our father who art in heaven. Now, God is almighty God, creator of the universe, ruling and reigning in heaven, transcendent to this created order. He is there in all of his glory and majesty. Absolutely. So we, we do not come to God flippantly or irreverently or like, Hey, you know, God, Hey, No, not at all. He is our heavenly father, but he is our heavenly father. And if there is one thing I think that can transform the prayer life, it's when I realize that prayer is relational. It is about a relationship, Christian, with your heavenly father. Now that assumes a very important truth. It assumes that God is your father. For God to be your father, Jesus has to be your savior. Okay? We become children of God by faith in Christ and what he did on our behalf, bearing our sin on the cross. And so not just anybody that goes to God can can pray our, our father who art in heaven. But the Christian can. The believer in Jesus can. Because when I trust in Christ, there is this most remarkable reversal of fortunes. Prior to that, God is my judge. He is is my condemner. He is my jury. And his holiness requires for the sinner an eternal damnation. Hell. But when I believe in Christ, God no longer is my judge, Romans 8.1. He now is my father, 1 John 3.1. We now suddenly are actually, and it's not pretend, it's not a metaphor, we are actually the children of God. We're in the family of God. If you've trusted in Christ, you are a child of God. Just that's an amazing truth. And God has so arranged the universe and arranged this whole relationship in such a way that when one of his children thinks something or when they communicate with with him by thinking or by just contemplating in my soul or speaking it with words, that what I think in communication to God here or what I say to God here or what I verbalize here 
that God our Father hears that prayer. So that for me, when I pray, I am talking with my Heavenly Father. I'm in relationship with Him. And God actually hears our prayers. And He doesn't simply listen in on our prayers like NSA on our phone calls. Okay? He's not just like, oh, what's, what's he saying there? Is there anything I need to, you know, mark? No. He is listening like our heavenly Abba, like our heavenly Father. He listens to them like I listen to my daughter. Now, I have a daughter. She's almost five months old. Did you know, we have kept this pretty quiet, did you know that she's already talking? (laughs) Seriously. This is one amazing little girl. So verbal already, I don't know where she got this from. (laughs) A very effective communicator, even at a young age. For example, when she's tired, she says, (laughs) When she's hungry, she says, when she is scared, she says, Wah. she has a very highly developed phonetic language. Five months old, brilliant communicator. Now let me ask you, friends, why is my daughter's Wah. so effective? Is it because she is so eloquent in the, the saying of it? Is it because there is such amazing intelligence behind it? It's communicating such incredible philosophical truth? No. Wah works not because of her eloquence. Wah works because her parents love her. We hear her mostly selfish. I'm the center of the universe. It's all about me. And we interpret it through a grid of parental love that sometimes gives her what she wants, but always gives her what she needs. And my dear friends, it is the same with our prayers. They are often, I think, only slightly better than wah. Right? It's all about me. I'm the center of the universe. Something's not going the way I want it. Wah. Prayer is the way that we so often pray. In fact, I would even say this. Even our most articulate and selfless prayers do not in and of themselves have the right to move the hand of God. You want to know why our prayers are effective? It is not because they are logical. It is not because they are eloquent. It is because our Heavenly Father loves us. And He listens to our prayers through a grid of love that sometimes gives us what we want and always gives us what we need. And this week of prayer, Bethel Church, we are going to be spending intentional time talking with our heavenly father he knows what we need before we ask him 
We are not informing God. We're not saying, hey, God, you maybe have missed this, but I just got to let you know I have this particular need. We are not doing any of these things. We are simply crying out to God who loved us in Jesus and who promises to hear our prayers. So you may not be able to pray like Jesus, but we can all pray like a baby, can't we? And when we do, know that God loves you and he rejoices when his church and his people, his children, talk with their heavenly father. And that's what we're doing this weekend. And that's what we're doing with the rest of this service. Let us pray.